So today, welcome, good to see you. Today is a day of celebration. It's a dedication service, but it's a day of celebration and thanks for not just Eloise's birth, but that she's a blessing. Children are a blessing from God, the Bible says. They're a blessing. Though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, I know, and you want to... Well, you wanted to do that to me on occasion. That's my mum, right? Sometimes you do want to say you're a holy... You do it in love, of course you do it in love. But you just want to bless them. But this is a day to celebrate and to give thanks to to God for Eloise and her birth. But it's more than that. It's more than that. See, we're going to pray a blessing over Eloise in a, a bit later as Rob does the dedication. We're going to do that. But today is not about Eloise making a decision for Jesus. Do you know that? This is not about Eloise's salvation today. I want you to know that. Okay, Eloise, would you like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now, hang on, silence, silence. Would you like to... No, see, there's no response. Because this is not a christening. This is not wetting the baby's head no. and believing that now she's a bit, got a bit of sprinkled water over her. She's a Christian. No, it's got never. nothing to do with that. Never. This is not about Eloise being saved. As you heard, there's no response. How can you respond when you're a little baby? You can. But today is a celebration and praying a blessing over her. As, as This is more about the parents, the grandparents, the extended family and the church family. All of us together as a church family. This is what it's about today. This is not a christening. No. See, Eloise's day will come. Eloise, your day's going to come at some point, okay? <laughs> no response again. <laughs> Just like the day came when I had to make a response for Jesus. Just like when there was a day that you had to make a response for Jesus. Eloise's day is coming. Today's a day that she can just celebrate and we can celebrate them as a family. But Eloise's day will come when she needs to decide for herself whether to believe in Jesus and his death on the cross and resurrection and life for her. She needs to make that decision for herself by faith. But today is about the family. See, today is not a ritual. No, sure. Today's not a ritual, it's a responsibility. It's not just a practice, but today is about promise. And today is not just a custom, it's not just formality. Today is about commitment. And we're going to ask you, Rob's going to ask you in a bit to, to, to commit to that, and we'll work through that. But first of all, let's have a look at what Jesus had to say, yeah? Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that, Lord, you would open eyes, as you opened my eyes, as you've opened many people's eyes, to your truth and to your love for us, Lord. As we look at your word, Lord, I ask that you open eyes today, Lord, because we can only receive you by revelation. It's not by clever words or by anything else, fancy songs. It's only by you, Lord, opening up our hearts to see the real Jesus. Do that, Lord, as we, we look at your word. Amen. Amen. If you turn to to Mark chapter 10, please, verse 13. Mark 10, 13. We're going to look at what Jesus 
has to say. Jesus is our plumb line. Jesus is our foundation in this place. This, we, we follow the, the Bible in this place. We live our lives by the truth of God's Word, which is a, a manual. You know, I realize that many people, and we've got we child, Rosie, that there's no manual for doing parenting, is there? We kind of say we all just sometimes, we're all just doing our best, aren't we? Yeah. We just, yeah. We just do our best. But I want to tell you, there is a manual. I've always believed, well, there's no manual to parenting. There is a manual. And it's the Bible. This is what we should go by and judge and guide and teach and instruct our children, our loved ones. There is a, there is a manual for, for parenting. But this is what Jesus has to say. I want you to see this. In Mark 10... Verse 13, it says that Jesus blesses the little children. It says this, then they, that's the parents, the carers, whoever, then they, this is not the disciples, this is they, the parents, etc., brought little children to him that he might bless them, he might, he might pray over them, he might lay hands on them. But the disciples, those people that should have known better, the disciples rebuked those the parents, the carers who brought them to Jesus. <laughs> but verse 14, it says, But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And then he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. Amen? See, in this little passage of scripture here, it says that the, the people were bringing their children, their little ones, their, their toddlers, their babies, their, their little ones. They were bringing them to Jesus that he might bless them. He may lay his hands on them and encourage them and bless them. It says that the disciples looked and it said that they didn't like it. They didn't like it. The implication here when it says that Jesus was greatly displeased is it says that Jesus was livid. Now we don't see very often and think of Jesus being lit. He almost, and I've told this story many times, if he had a wooden spoon with him, he would have given his disciples the wooden spoon. <laughs> In love. <laughs> he was livid with them. He was angry with them. See, the disciples were thinking that they were trying to interrupt what Jesus was doing or what Jesus should have been doing. They took it upon themselves to rebuke the parents. Who, they didn't rebuke the children, but they rebuked those that brought the children, it says, to Jesus. And Jesus was livid with them. You know, there's a time to get angry. In a right, there's a righteous anger. Jesus got angry with him. He was greatly displeased. Yeah. See, today you need to maybe stop telling Jesus what he should and shouldn't do. <laughs> Isn't it? 
I have to preach this to myself before bringing it to you. I need to stop telling Jesus who he should and shouldn't bless. I need to tell Jesus who he should and shouldn't encourage. I need to tell Jesus who he should and shouldn't be doing. What he should be doing and what he shouldn't be doing. The disciples took it upon themselves. Stop telling Jesus who he should and shouldn't bless. That's God's business. Jesus said, let the little children, yes. let the young people yes. come to me. See, that's my Jesus. <laughs> that's classic Jesus. Can you imagine the kind of children were like, you know, they were put away. They were shunned in this, in this culture. They were seen as being insignificant. You know, I love it when the babies cry. You know, don't ever tell the babies to be quiet in this place. There's a sound of life. That's my Jesus. See, it's not just for the insignificant, but the marginalized, the broken, the hurt, the lost. See, Jesus was actually classed, and it was very offensive in biblical times. It says that he was a friend of sinners. Jesus associated with the tax collectors who were the most hated in that culture. But it says that Jesus was a friend with sinners. He was a friend with prostitutes, all the downtrodden, the, the marginalized people, the insignificant. See, today I want you to hear in the message that says you're never too insignificant for Jesus. Don't ever say that Jesus doesn't care for you because you're never too insignificant for Jesus. Jesus says, let them come to me. And when I read that, I don't just see the little children come to Jesus. I see all people saying, hey, come to me, you who are downtrodden, you who are discouraged, you who are hurt, you who are broken, you who are disillusioned, you who are without hope today to say, hey, you can come to Jesus, a Savior who loves you. Well, that's a nice golf clap. <laughs> I've seen people do that on the 18th hole at the golf. Oh, yes, very good shot, sir. Yeah, lovely. Oh, lovely drive onto the fairway. Yeah, very nice. Come on, this is our Savior. This is life and death. You're never too insignificant for Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to keep bringing your little ones to Jesus. You know, they didn't stop. Jesus saw it. Now, would the parents have stopped if Jesus didn't say? I don't know. They probably would have because the disciples were held in great esteem. They may well have said, okay. The disciples have said, we can't bring them. So let's just put them away. Go back to, you know, being insignificant. But Jesus steps in. Amen. That, to me, encourages me to say, stop. Don't stop praying for your little ones. Don't stop praying for your grandkids. Even if they're not in this place physically, don't stop bringing them to Jesus in prayer. Because there's going to come a day suddenly when things are going to turn. Because we see, what do we see in verse 15? It says that Jesus says, for my kingdom is for those who come to me as a little child does. Who receives and embraces the king like childlike faith. Not childish not childish faith, where if it doesn't go your way, you'll fall on the floor and have a little tantrum. 
The kingdom of heaven's not like that. God, why haven't you blessed me? You're blessing them. We live in a comparison culture, don't we? Where, where they've got that, I should have that. If they've got it, I'm better than them. That's rubbish. Childlike faith, not throwing tantrums. In verse 16, it says, Jesus blesses them in his arms. And it says that he picked them up. And I love this. I want you to see this. See, when Jesus picked them up, see, that's Jesus' intention for you today. If you need a pickup, <laughs> if you need a pickup, there's a good pickup line. That Jesus, when he picked them up, I want you to see this. Lord, help, help people to see that Jesus got down. <laughs> to pick something up, you've got to get down. And Jesus isn't afraid to get lowly where you're at. If you can grasp that today, you might be feeling in a pit. You might be feeling like things are empty, but Jesus says that he picked them up. To me, that says that he's not afraid to get lowly. And he gets down and he picks them up. And he picks you up. That's Jesus' intention today. You know, Rob, in a minute, we're going to dedicate Eloise and pick him up, pick her up into his arms. But it's not just for Eloise today. It's for you. It's to say Jesus isn't afraid to get down in the dirt of your life, of the mess of your life. And say, hey, I'm willing to get down with you. Get down on your level. He came down as flesh to die for you and for me. He's not afraid to get lowly. And he wants to pick you up in his arms. And he doesn't just pick you up in his arms. It says that he blessed them. He blessed. He went further. That's my Jesus. He always goes one step further. And it says that he blessed them. He comforted them. So what is child faith like? What is child faith really like? Break it down. Does anybody like sailing here? Anybody like boats? Sailing? I know you do. I like you. Do. Yeah, there's an army. Oh, yeah, Roland. Yeah, Roly. Yeah, Julie. Anybody else? Oh, Imogen, you like boats. Oh, there's one. There's a new one, Dave. <laughs> Imogen, did you know that? Oh, you did know that. <laughs> you didn't have it on your Christmas list, no? All right, maybe next year. Maybe a little plastic boat in the bath or something. So if anyone likes boats or sailings and sailing, then stick with me, all right? We're going to get somewhere, okay? What is child faith like? Childlike faith. You can break it down into three simple areas. Childlike faith. Number one, trust. Number two, love. And number three, hope. Childlike faith is a way I see it, and there's probably more humbleness, other, other attributes, but childlike faith is three simple areas. Trust, love, hope. Number one, trust. See, young children, they just trust, don't they? When little kids, they just trust. They just trust their parents. When they're dependent for food or shelter or love or picking, they just, yes, they might have a paddy and scream and cry, but they trust. Childlike faith is trust. 
They fully believe the promises that you make, don't they? If you say you're going to do something, they just believe it. They say, yeah, I believe it. To be careful what you say. Changing tack, that's a pivot point there. Be careful what you say. Because the things that you say, the things you promise, they hold you to account for them. They just trust implicitly. See, isn't that what God wants from us? Childlike faith is to say, God, I just trust you. Just total dependence on God. If you said it, then I believe it. That's what God wants from us as believers, to trust him. It's only as we get older that we become skeptical, (laughs) cynicism, cynical, doubt, suspicion, unbelief, isn't it? It's only as we get older. But I want to tell you, Jesus says it's only those with childlike faith that receive the kingdom. The second one is love. Unconditional love. When children, just they love, don't they? It's unconditional. It's not limited by conditions. It's absolute. I love it. When they just love. See, that's my God. God says he is love. It says in Ephesians, it says, God who is rich in mercy, his great love, he loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still dead in sin. God loved us and died for us while we were still sinners. That's what great love. And he made us alive and seated us with Christ. Unconditional love. See, when you're young, that's what kids do. They just love implicit. They love it. I've got a friend that lives up in Exeter. Yeah, I've got a friend who lives in Exeter. Can you believe that? Well, yeah, no, but Plymouth Argyle and Exeter, we don't mix. They're like the sort of friend of sinners. <laughs> oh, but he's joking. Love him. But this is what he said to me. He said, when his kids were really young, he said he would come home. He's a school teacher. And when he would come home from school, he said that his kids were in preschool, things like that. He said he would come home from school and his kids would have made him banners (laughs) saying, we love you, daddy. (laughs) And he would love it. He would love coming home from school because every day, nearly every day, his two kids would have made him something, either at preschool or wherever it was, at home, bit of craft, whatever. They made him banners and they would sing songs as he came through the door and they were cheering for him. Now they're 16, 17. (laughs) And the other day he said, now they don't even look up. (laughs) They're just there scrolling on their phones. (laughs) He's like, where are they? Are they the same kids? Unconditional love when they're childlike, isn't it? Then they get to kind of a teenage age and then they become grumpy and like when we have to say to Rosie, can you put your phone down? And she's like, How dare you take my phone off? (laughs) But childlike faith. Well, that was just Joe, actually. That's what Joe's like when I say to put her phone down. Isn't it? Unconditional love. Childlike love. That childlike innocence that just says, Hey, Daddy, I love you. Doesn't matter. It didn't matter what you'd done during the day. If he had had a good day or a bad day, it was unconditional. But that's the love of my Father in heaven who says it doesn't matter whether I've done good or bad. 
Doesn't matter if you've done good or bad, his love never changes. It's unconditional. There's no condemnation. God's desire, it says that you love him with all your heart and all your mind. And then the third one would bring us to a close is hope. Children, they have hopes and dreams, don't they, at that age? They have hopes and dreams. They believe nothing is impossible. Hopes and dreams, everything is possible. And nothing is impossible, isn't it? When you're a kid, when you're a child. They want to be a doctor or a train driver. Or a singer. Or Rosie said to me the other day, I want to be a footballer. And then she said, oh, if not that, I want to be a YouTuber. <laughs> I mean, what is the work? A YouTuber? Yeah, I'm going to be a YouTuber. Well, put your phone down. I want to be a YouTuber. YouTuber? I mean, is that even a thing? I know it's a thing, but how is it a thing? A YouTuber or a TikToker, if that's even a thing. See, I wanted to be a footballer. And the dream is still alive. I found out this week there's a Japanese player, Kanzo Minuri, who plays in the second division in Portugal, and he's 56. I've still got another 10 years. (laughs) The dream is still alive. 56, and he's still playing professional football. Brilliant. The days are gone for you, sir, all right? (laughs) You just passed. (laughs) And for most of you, actually. <laughs> 56. See, it's a childlike faith. There's no voice in their head telling that child, you can't do that. There's no voice in Rosie's head saying, you can't do that. You shouldn't be dreaming this. And as parents, we need to encourage that. That confidence. See, in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 It talks about a hope. It talks about a hope. And it says that when Abraham, or God made a promise to Abraham, it said that God sweared by no one greater than himself. And it says that I will bless you. I will multiply you. And it came down, it's talking about the love of Jesus Christ dying for us, this confidence that hope is set before you. See, hope, and we heard this the other week, someone said it, hope is a person. Hope is a person. And it says that hope, to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. That's the title of my message today, is saying, laying hold of hope. See, God wants you to lay hold of his hope that's set before you. There is hope today that's set before you. Do you know that? There is a hope. I'm not talking about optimism. Hope is not optimism. Just sort of thinking, well, let's just flip a coin. (laughs) See which side it lands. Hope is not optimism, but rather confident expectation. Isn't that where we're at as a church at the moment? Hope is a confident expectation. The same as a childlike faith of saying, yeah, I want to be that when I'm older. There's nothing that can stop them doing that. 
See, and as life goes on, and we experience setbacks, disappointments, that can make us lose hope, can't it? So then what do we do when we start to lose hope? We start to lower our expectations. A bit like we pull the plug from the bath. or we, Our plug kind of doesn't sit quite perfectly in our bath. So when we fill it, you can go back in 10 minutes later and the water level's gone down. If you haven't put the plug in properly. Get a plumber, I know. But isn't that like hope sometimes if it's not secure? Because actually... What does it say in verse 19? It says, this hope we have as an anchor. An anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. It's, it's, it's reliable. It's a bit like the plug in my bath. When I have to put it in properly and secure, or else the expectation level starts to drop, like the water levels. And life sometimes starts to kick in. Expectation levels can just start to drop. Someone's let me down. Or God hasn't done it in the right time frame that we expect. Our expectation levels can start to drop, can't they? But it says that there's a hope that's set before you today. That's sure and steadfast. What is this hope? This hope is based in Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 8 says that we rest our hope upon Jesus. Fully resting it upon Him. And so today... I want to lay that before you is to say if you're in a place of hopelessness, if, you're, if you've been told you're hopeless or there's no hope for you, then I want to tell you today that there is hope. Yes. Yes. Amen. There is hope. Always. Hope is a person. Hope is an anchor. Steadfast, it says, for my soul, my, my soul, my, my hope is hung upon Christ. Yes. And today, if we, can, if we can just stand, please, I'd just like us to stand. Rob's going to come and do the dedicate, but I want to give you just opportunity. It says in the Bible, it says that if you believe and if you confess, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then Romans tells me where Paul says that you will be saved. It's as simple as that. Believe, confess him with your mouth. And so what I would like us all to do is I'd like us all to do that. It's to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that Christ, that God raised him from the dead, then, you'll be, then you will be saved. So I want after just three to, for us to say, Jesus Christ, you are Lord. One, two, three. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. And then for us to say that God, we believe, God, we believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to tell you right now that if you've said that and you've believed it truly in your heart, then there's salvation for you. It's for you to say, God, I want to know this hope today. I want this hope to be an anchor for my soul. 
then I want to encourage you as we do the dedication for, that we've got some, some information that you can take away for you to understand the decision maybe that you've made. Because it's as simple as that. If you be- confess with your mouth Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that he raised Jesus from the dead and he's forgiven you of your sin, then you're saved. The gospel message, the good news message is so simple. It's so simple. So Lord, I pray today, Lord, that whoever in this place, and I believe there are some that have said that prayer and believed it in their heart. They may not fully understand it, but they've believed it and said it in their heart. Lord, I pray today that you open their eyes of their understanding, that you give them a revelation of your love for them today, to know that you are good and to let them know that there is hope where things seem hopeless. Because you're the God of all hope. Can you say amen to that this morning? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus.